graduated college in 2000, um, spent half a year down in Key West dicking around, and then I came back to Savannah, where my hometown is, Savannah, born and raised. Uh, I went to University of Georgia for school, and I came back from Key West, got into real estate, did really, really well, like absolutely killed it. Mm-hmm. And then um, 2008 came and the real estate market crashed and the banking sector went to shit and the economy crashed and I lost everything I had, mm-hmm. um, millions of dollars. Like I'm not, I mean, when I say I mean millions, I'm not joking, millions. And um, I felt sorry for myself for about 48 hours and uh, decided that was a waste of time and I moved to New York City and started going to grad school at NYU. Um, and, uh, while in graduate school, uh, we started this little CrossFit apparel company. I mean, literally I moved to New York in the summer of 2009 or 2010, 2010, 2010. And, um, within six months, four and a half months, started another company that I ended up a little CrossFit apparel company called two food. I think we started that. We tell people we started it with seventeen thousand, but it was actually substantially less than that. <laughs> and um, ended up selling that three years ago, two years ago, for a nice little chunk of change. Nothing crazy, but you know, hard work pays off. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so that we started two food in December of two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and then Kilcliffe, we started that in two the winter of 2011. Okay. And then I did that for many, many years, seven years total, I think. And, uh, it, I was like the last person standing like of the original team, original crew at Kilcliffe. It just, I mean, it took on venture capital, VC money, took on the wrong VC money. Um, I am still a consultant for Kilcliffe and I still have equity in the company and I will say this and I don't care who hears it, but, John Giannuzzi and uh, Sherbrooke can, uh, they fucked it up. Excuse my French, but they literally, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. They completely fucked up everything. They're, they're morons, idiots, thought they were smarter than everyone in the room. So you had Todd, who's a former SEAL, GW, who's a multi-time world champ from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Michael Howe played uh, minor league baseball, Jamie Shara. Uh, and myself, and we're the people that basically started Kilcliffe. And we had these venture capital guys came in that thought they were smarter than everyone, and you know they knew how to do this and knew how to do that, and they literally drove the company into the ground. Mm-hmm. Everyone left, except me. I stayed there actually two years too long. And uh, I mean, Kilcliffe's fine now. They've got new VC, new ownership group, which are doing a great job for them. But uh, yeah, we had the wrong guys come in. Total, total dipshits. I mean, just. I hope they're listening <laughs> and I hope they get mad. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do something about it. But uh, no, just, you know, like we've all been around people that just dipshits. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, but, but the thing with Kill Cliff, which was interesting was um, I had, uh, I kind of, like I was a really good high school football player and I played in college. I was not a good college football player. Like it was a totally different world for me, but I was good in high school. And I remember every Saturday morning, I would get up and go down to the end of our driveway and get the newspaper to see if my picture was on, was my picture on the cover of the, of the front page of the newspaper. 
if it wasn't there, then I'd go immediately to the sports section. It was on the front cover of the sports section of the newspaper. And then I would look for the game write-up. Was my picture there? Was my name in the article? Did I intercept a pass? Did I score a touchdown? Did I run a punt back for a touchdown? Did I, you know, catch a, you know, uh, rece- uh, receiving touchdown? Um, and I remember, like, seeing your picture was the best thing in the world. It's like, holy shit, like, hmm. I'm the man. And uh, hmm. I just remember, like, that was the goal with, in the early days at Killcliffe was replicating that feeling for people on social media. And Coach Carter used to always say, name in the paper, name in the paper, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of what I did with Killcliffe was, you know, so on social media, like, we would engage with all of our customers. We would engage with all of our followers. We would, you know, just make people feel like they were a part of something. And, um, and then, you know, I was, and then people started reaching out, like, how'd you do what you did? How did you do what you did at Killcliffe? Can you help us? And I, at that point I was like, kind of ride or die with Killcliffe. I was like, no, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm hundred percent invested in Killcliffe. Like that's what I'm doing. That's the future. Yada, yada, yada. And then as the love affair with Killcliffe started to wane, my curiosity in working with other companies and other brands started to increase. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember uh, my first client, like I, I had decided um, we had the VC firm brought in um, a CEO. Um, I can't remember his name. Absolute beta of a human being, like <laughs> man, like in, in like gender and like, a, you know, you know, you could tell he was a male, but like just a complete bitch. From, <laughs> yeah. Excuse my French. Are you good? Just a just a weak man, you know. It's like it's hard to res- it's hard to work for people that you don't respect. Mm-hmm. And like in that situation, I learned how strong and important leadership was. So I was like, I've had enough of this guy. Like he's just he's a weak, weak, weak man. And so I decided to leave January of two thousand and sixteen. January two thousand sixteen. Or maybe January 1st, 2017. No, January 1st, 2016. Mm-hmm. That was my uh, last day at Kilcliffe. Um, and I, Kimber was my, Kimber Firearms was my first client, first full-time client. And uh, it's just been off to the races since then um, with all the brands I work with and stuff. And um, started working with Black Rifle Coffee as well, doing some consulting for them. Um, and you know, the going from, from, and, and the guy that the CEO of Kilcliffe now is a former seal. His name is John Timar. He's a good friend of mine. He's a Brown belt in jujitsu. Great dude. Mm-hmm. I'm not shitting on the company. I'm shitting on the previous group that was in charge of Kilcliffe. Like those guys can go to hell, but like the new ownership group and the new executive team they have in place is absolutely awesome. Those are great dudes. Um, but, um, you know, going from, from that, situation to heavily involved with black rifle um you saw how important leadership was you can you guys hear me yeah we can hear you you tell them you guys yeah yeah uh just checking something something popped up um yeah no i remember i know someone who used to work there and uh he says a very toxic environment when he was there like you'd have seals coming in and screaming at people telling they're going to kill him and shit at Kill Club? Yeah. Yeah. No, like, it never happened. Really? Never. No, not ever once. No. Huh. Not even 
No, hell no, 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 God no, not at all. He said he, um, was, he said he was terrified to come into work at lots of times. He was like, because he was. Oh, he said someone specifically, but he, said he was terrified to go into work. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, that's bizarre. Um, but what's interesting is you know going from a company with lack of leadership to heavily involved with Black Rifle, where Evan Hafer is you know the epitome of leadership. You know, so yeah. it's easy to work for people that you respect and work yeah. with people that you respect. Versus just punching a clock. Anytime all you're doing is punching a clock, like, you know, that's not any good. But no. uh, that was, you know, one of the what's one of the cool things about Black Rifle is working with people. And I've always said, like, if I'm the best thing we've got, we're fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I truly mean that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, if, I'm really good at a few things. Like, I'm really good at a couple things. Um, and then there's just a lot of things that I'm really bad at because I just don't give a shit about them. So, like, if I was in charge of, like, accounting and ops and, and operations, like, we would be bankrupt in four days. Like, mm. it, I just because I don't <laughs> want to do that, you know. But right. um, Black Rifle allows me to focus and do the things that I'm good at. Yeah. Um, and you kind of – you give people 10 acres and a mule and let them kind of develop and cultivate their own universe and their own world. And that's one of the things that I think Black Rifle is really good at. But Yeah, uh, uh, that's something – actually, when we talked to, with John Moss last week, he was talking about yeah. – if you're not good at something, find people that are and surround yourself with those people. And that's a good oh, way, good way to succeed. Important. You know? Yeah, yeah. No one's good at everything. No, no. Mm-hmm. And anybody that says they are is completely full of shit. Yeah. But I guess you, I, I can introduce you. You guys haven't met. This is Kevin, by the way. He's, I'm sure you've seen him <laughs> or heard him, but this is Kevin since okay. you've only been talking with me. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. How are you? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Moss is a good example of like, so I have, I have clients that I work with that, and I, I don't do big formal presentations. I don't like at, at our beach house, there's a saying, and I remember from my childhood, there's a sign that says, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. <laughs> and a lot of, so I own a company called Digital Mongoose and it's a marketing consulting firm and we run social media and digital marketing uh, for a bunch of companies. And um, there's a lot of agencies that do what I do and they have these exotic, big, huge, exotic presentations and they just kind of hypnotize and mesmerize their clients just by just dazzling them with, with bullshit, you know, baffling them. Um, and I think uh, we don't do that. I don't do that. Like I don't create big, I, if you want a proposal from me, it's a simple bullet point email. These are the things that we do and this is how we do it and this is what we're going to do. Um, and in the way I view it is like, you're hiring me to do something. Let me do what I do. Mm-hmm. Because if you knew how to do what I did, we wouldn't be talking. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, that's, you got everything has to be the right fit. Like I, it's gotta be the right client. It's gotta be the right customer. You know, they have to have a need that I can fill because if it's a need that I can't fill, I don't really want to work with them. Then I feel bad about taking people's money. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like to be kind of cut loose and I'll find where you have underperforming assets and things that aren't working and then I'll figure out how to get them fired up and working mm-hmm. uh, properly. Well, like another thing with you, I mean, Moss is a good example of a, of a client of mine that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, does, he's a, he's yeah, an awesome guy. He's been, he's been great to deal with. He's, yeah, he's, good. he's a real good dude. Um, yeah. You know, I guess we'll give the listeners a little backstory on, on you. Cause we, we had Evan. Hafer on the podcast and then you reached out to me through social media and the whole time like you know you you right away said hey I have some guests for you if you want them 
Yeah. And my first thought is, why the fuck is this guy helping us? Like, we don't know him. He doesn't owe us a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I, I texted you that, I said, you know, I don't know why you're doing this, but thank you. And you said, you know, rising tide raises all ships is what you said back. And every single person that has that's involved with Black Rifle that I've talked to has been mm-hmm. so pleasant to talk to. Everybody yeah. is like very, it seems like accepting of people and none of you guys owe us shit. We're just a couple of dudes trying to do a podcast, you know, and, and you've been fucking amazing. I mean, you've hooked us up with a lot of good people to get on this podcast. Yeah. This Black Rifle has a zero douchebag policy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's kind of the way it works over there. Um, everyone's replaceable in the moment that you think you're not replaceable. Yeah. You probably have already been replaced mm-hmm. um but yeah no like I, there's a bunch of podcasts that i do that for yeah it's like um and i have people that i will put on their podcast and then i will follow up that person and say usually it's jamie and i say hey man what do you think of those guys they're like yeah they're good dudes um i like talking to them i was like do they have their shit together yes all right cool and then i'll you know put i mean because it's it's a it's a two-way street like everything um, everyone has to walk away feeling happy and satisfied. It's like when you do like a deal or something, like you can't, everyone at the table has to feel like they're, they're walking away in a better situation. And so, for example, like you guys had John Mosselin mm-hmm. from Mountain Primal. Um, you, and you gave him a platform. You shared your platform to, for him to put out, tell his story and put out his message. And then in return... Mountain Primal will promote the episode on their social media, which now they're using their platform to basically echo your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look like a good guy because I helped out two guys <laughs> with an upcoming podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Helped out one of my clients. Everybody wins in that situation. Like literally, all parties walk away from the table feeling like. They, they're in a better place than they were when they sat down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a lot of people, dude, a lot of people don't get that shit, man. Like, there's a lot of people like, yeah, man, wh- wh- what's your angle, man? What are you working? It's like, I'm not working anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, what are you trying to do, man? You're trying to fuck, you know, people, they just, I'm a very honest person. And I think people that are quick to, like, you know, think someone's up to no good normally are the crooked people, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Shady, shady dudes always think everybody else is shit. Yeah, for you know? sure. For sure. It's like, I don't want anything. You know, like, I don't know, like, you have a podcast, this guy's good, I think it'll be a good fit, like, what yeah. you, you're, trying to, you're trying to work something here, it's like, I can do the opposite, you know. I <laughs> right, and I don't want to surround podcast. myself with disingenuous people, or the type of yeah, people yeah. that are always in your DMs trying to sell their shit, Yeah, you know, or in your oh. comment section, like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, you're not a real person to me, you know. Dude, I, like, so I run, I, I run a, uh, I think 27 different Twitter accounts for you know, companies and individuals and stuff like that. And like, it's, it's insane. And I, I and like, I was like, I used to be a big fan of LinkedIn, you know, to your point, like DMS and messages and shit and like just slinging shit. Like I used to be a fan of LinkedIn where I thought LinkedIn was like this up and coming platform for, for professionals and higher level customers. Like, and then all of a sudden LinkedIn, I've now pivoted. And I think LinkedIn is the single largest generator of spam. I'm, I'm, I'm finding that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I had never, I'd never used LinkedIn before we started the podcast. Yeah. And I started a page for the podcast. I tried to get on 
every social media app out there with our podcast, just trying to get it out mm-hmm. there. And I'm on LinkedIn and every day I'm getting these invitations from, I can promote your podcast. I can, it's like, fuck man. I don't even look at it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, just how about, how about go away? Yeah. 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 For or, sure. uh, or like, and then like I get times where I want to respond and, and just be like, Hey man, like, is this, has this email ever worked for you? <laughs> Tell me, like, has anyone ever been like, absolutely. I would love to have a meeting with you. You random ass stranger. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, all the social no, dude, all the social platforms are changing. Like everyone thinks that Instagram is like the gold standard. Instagram is not the gold standard. Instagram is for idiots. Like literally, dude, this is my phone. All I need is one opposable thumb to operate Instagram. That's <laughs> yeah. it. One thumb. And it's it like you can't have conversations there. It's good for growing a brand and like associate like people like a visual association of your brand. But like yeah. Facebook is where conversations take place. Yeah. And that's like, like I tell people all the time, like, it's like you can make hundreds of dollars on Instagram. You can make tens of millions on Facebook mm. and you can make zero on Twitter. But there's a lot of, you know, people interact and uh, there's a lot of conversations that take place on Twitter. But like Instagram, Instagram is not the gold standard. Anyone that says that Instagram is the gold standard is a millennial. Mm. Right. Or, or easily, you know, hypnotized by shiny objects and shit. Right. Like yeah. what happens... <laughs> like that. Like what happens when lights. we post something? No, I don't have a problem with the lights. What's that? <laughs> We're like, just putting on a light show for you no, out of nowhere. Yeah, like oh, what I happens when we, we put on a post like, oh, we had a black rifle on our podcast and you put a picture of, you know, uh, one of the bags with the suppressed, uh, you know, pistol on it and then it gets removed yeah. because the fucking, not the police are out there on Instagram. No, know. yeah. So uh, Lone Star Outdoor Show, uh, who's a buddy of mine, he's got a really awesome podcast. And he tried to do a giveaway, and it was involving Mossberg and several other brands, and it got pulled because it said he was, you know, selling contraband. It's like I'm not not selling anything. Like I'm giving away a gun and a backpack and some Mountain Primal and some other products. Mm-hmm. And like he doesn't need like the gun is at Mossberg's factory, and once a winner is chosen, we'll vet them. And then notify them. Then they have to send us a local gun shop. The gun goes from directly from Mossberg to the FFL. Mm-hmm. And then there's a FBI background check run. Yep. And then if they pass that, they get the gun. Mm. But like it, it, it just, it doesn't like, uh, here's my take on social media, man. We've been living rent free on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the past t- decade. Mm-hmm. over a decade like literally we haven't we don't have to pay for it and what we've seen recently in 2021 and listen i'm not a conspiracy theorist i, I, I don't buy into that shit mm-hmm. but what we've seen is how quickly they can take it away yeah. you know and whether whether you are a pro trump anti-trump republican or democrat or you voted for biden it should worry you that there are organizations out there that have as much that wield as much power and control as the big tech does. Like they can manipulate and affect the outcomes of elections. Uh, they can do all. They can censor whomever they want, whenever they want. Um, and that's that's pretty scary to me. Like, yeah, that's pretty scary. So the the best way, you know, and that's why I preach like direct marketing to consumers. So building of email databases. So if you are a business. Uh, and you are trying to grow your business, don't worry about how big your social following is. 
Like, oh man, we got to get our Instagram followers up. No, you don't. Shut the fuck up. What you need to do is figure out a way to market directly to your consumer. And the best way to do that is through emails. So focus on email capture campaigns and how to grow your email database. And now once you've grown your email database and you start putting out newsletters, make sure they are good quality newsletters. Because like we just talked about a few minutes ago, no one wants to see shitty emails. No one wants to receive an email. So the way that you get people to open your email is through creating a very quality product or having real fucking cool emails. Yeah. So I get lit, I have three email accounts. I get lit up constantly every day with all kinds of spam. Um, and there are, and I was thinking about this the other day. So I bought a, a couple pairs of shorts from a company called Viori, V-U-O-R-I, yeah. which cool. is kind of like Lulu for dudes or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But the shorts are great. And I like them because they make me look taller. I'm 5'10". And anytime I can get away with a six-foot look, <laughs> I'm all about that shit. Same. So, uh, no, but, but I was thinking, it's like I open up all their emails now. And it's not because they send good emails. It's because I like their product. Yeah. Black Rifle is a, company, a, good, a great example of a company that sends um, phenomenal emails out. Like Black Rifle, dude, we send great emails. Like tons and tons of work and energy and focus goes into those things. Like, and we don't pitch we don't pitch the bitch we don't pitch wood we don't send shitty emails um that's hugely important in my opinion uh i had another follow-up that i forgot what i was about to say whatever but anyway. <laughs> yeah no that's true i like i like their emails their content um just the layout the page layout the color tones i mean everything's kind of attention to detail into that yeah it's not just a white oh. blanket statement with a paragraph like buyer bullshit you know or extend your car's warranty you know <laughs> fuck no that no i know i know what i was gonna say so um robin hood is a company that has like an online mobile app for for trading stocks and mm -hmm. some cryptocurrencies um i don't know if people listening when GameStop or amc when those stocks were you know wall street bets was putting all that info and those stocks were just rocketing to mm -hmm. the moon. Um, Robinhood caught a lot of slack because they suspended their trading on some stuff. But um, Robinhood, uh, every Monday, puts out uh, an email called Robinhood Snacks, which is just basically like a summation of what happened in the market last week. And they, um, they, they break it down into really short, easily digestible little pieces of content. And they use, you know, it's written at like an eighth grade reading level. You know, anyone can understand it. And I, I think that's a really good email, too. Um, so, yeah, those those are three emails that I'm a big fan of. But most emails are just trash. Yeah. It's like, like if you can make somebody laugh, if you can make them smile and you can teach them something, doing business with them after that is actually quite easy. Yeah, There has to be a value proposition for the customer. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, I'm going to give you something. And you're going to give me something in return. But I'm going to give you three. I'm going to, it's a give, 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 ask is the cadence. Three gives, one ask. That that's the cadence and how you do how we do a lot of stuff with Black Rifle. But it's super important that way. Instead of just lighting people up asking for shit or you know. Yeah. Well, that's my favorite is when people like try to like rope us into bullshit like conspiracy theories. Yeah. Have yep. you seen this? It's like no, we don't give a fuck either. Like, yeah. No. I get all these DMs and stuff on Twitter and about people. Uh, you know, attaching us to, not attaching us, but like they'll, they'll send a message to like nine people 
like trying to just, you know, the out, I call it the outrage Olympics Yeah, where they're trying to get other people worked up. And it's like, I don't give a shit about this. Like no, they, they need to stay in their fucking lane. And what they're looking for is that confirmation bias. Hey, let's rope this, them into this because they have a substantial following, you know, or they have credibility. Yeah. Like don't fucking rope people's credibility into your bullshit, you know? Or, yeah. Or they're like assuming, they're assuming our position on things. Yeah. Or, you know, and there's 500 people that work at Black Rifle. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people in that company. I, well, I remember one, it wasn't, it was, I think it was, I don't remember which company it was, but it was like, this person sent a DM to like 50 people in companies and organizations, like famous people on the internet and all this shit, companies. And it's like, my nephew was denied the ability to purchase, it was right before, the night before the dub opener in like some southern state. Mm-hmm. My nephew was denied the right to purchase twelve gauge ammunition for whatever re- for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just like, what do, what do you want us to do about it? Like, what do you want me to do about this? I don't. And I think like I, I was actually kind of intrigued by it. And I think what happened was like he wasn't old enough at the end of the day or something like that, like, or didn't have his driver's license or something. It's like, Oh, so they actually followed their policy. Like if you don't want to shop at Walmart cause you don't like their ammo policy, vote with your, with your wallet, Yeah, you know, just don't go there. But I don't give a damn that your nephew can't buy ammo at Walmart. I don't care. Like, I, I, like what do you want us to do? Like yeah. gaslight people, oh, sons of bitches. Yeah. You know, what are the facts? I don't What What else? Who all knows what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is out of all the companies and people you work with, is Black Rifle like your biggest company you work for, your primary, or is it kind of spread out evenly through the companies? On sales? Well, just like in general, like the work you do. Do you do no like more with Black Rifle versus others? Black Rifles, Black Rifle is my. It's kind of a tricky question. So, like, I would say Mossberg is my biggest client. Black Mm -hmm. Rifle is my biggest client. Like, those are my friends. Like, those are the people that I recreate with. Those are the people that I hang out with. Um, if I did for Black, if I, what I do for Black Rifle, what that would, what I would charge another company for that, oh, good God. Like, I just, gotcha. it's weird. Like, um, I don't do, I don't, I'm not motivated by money. Um, a lot of people say that, but like, I am truly motivated by good decision making. That's what really gets me fired up. Like, mm. Hey, Trevor Thompson, talk to Jake, this podcaster, talk to Jeremy at this podcaster, talk to Cable at this podcast. And I make introductions and my friends get on podcasts and it's good for everyone. That makes me happy. Yeah. I'm not going to charge you. What, you know what I mean? Like there are people that would try to charge you to book guests. I don't. It's like, Hey, I'm going to send these guys a text suggesting this person go on. And if they like it, if they, if they're, if they're down with it, then are they easy to work with? But if you were like kind of a pain in the ass, I would never recommend anybody for your podcast. They'd be like, oh, yeah. what I'd move on to the next one. But um, like with Black Rifle, like it's just, it's success is like, is awesome. Like people are, find that it, are attracted to success and people are attracted to winners and winning feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it is honestly some of my greatest, you know, uh, joy in the world is seeing what Black Rifle has become. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was there in the very beginning, but I was in, I was at Black Rifle. How do you turn the fucking messages off? <laughs> um, uh, 
I was there in the early days, like the early, early, early days before it was in Salt Lake City, like early yeah. days. And um, just seeing where they are now and what we've all done and knowing that I've helped play a role in some of the success, you know, like there's mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not I didn't I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've helped. You know, I, I'm probably responsible for we did 163 million last year in sales. And mm-hmm. I think this year we're, we should do, you know, 220 or something like that. Something crazy. Um, I might be responsible for 250,000. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know if I, I don't know what, what am I responsible for, you know, but, um, there are, there are verticals in the company where I have played a much bigger role, like the hunting and the outdoor space. Yes, I have, that has been a goal of mine to get that company involved in that space. And I have done everything in my power to make the right introductions and, um, help kind of push it. I mean, ultimately, you know, Evan is the one that ultimate decider on everything but like i've planted a few seeds that are sprouting for sure like mm-hmm. you know um absolutely 100 and like that's but yeah so my black rifle and mossberg are my my biggest clients yeah for sure because i mean it seems like just a little bit i've dealt with you 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 know a lot of damn people and you're 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 yeah. in with a lot of different people from different companies so i yeah. was i was kind of wondering like because i noticed in our world black rifles like one of the most popular ones, you know, I mean, every, everybody knows fucking black rifle coffee. Um, no, it, listen, black rifle, um, give it, give it five years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just wait. It's, I mean, we're the fastest growing RTD coffee space. There's only two companies that are ahead of us in the, in the uh, convenience store world. Mm-hmm. Um, we outperform a bunch of brands that if you heard the names, like it, like we outperform Dunkin Donuts mm-hmm. in, in the gas station world. Um, uh, a ton of them. Just, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, like I work with a bunch of brands um, and I don't like, I don't have a website. I don't solicit business. I don't normally work with new clients just because, you know, I've got all I can handle. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, three and a half employees now, four, four employees. Uh, Five, five employees, five employees. My company has five employees. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I handpick who I work with. And like, I, so what I like to focus on is like, I work on, I work with companies that are all on the same row of the grocery, of the uh, same aisle of the grocery store. So you go down this aisle and all those brands that I work with are kind of playing the same space. So like, if I'm like in the, you know, the spice, if all my clients are in the spice section, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense for me to go work with a company down in the yogurt section because the yogurt section can't help the spice section. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everything, if you focus on stuff that's like kind of in the same realm, like I believe in going a mile deep and an inch wide. Um, I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times I get hit up a week with companies that want to work with me or work with my company that I just don't know anything about the space. Mm. And I just tell them, like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't. There's no way I could do for you what I do for these other companies. It's just not possible. Yeah. yeah, It won't work just because I don't have, like, I need, you know, one creates a business of one and two creates the business of four. So I don't want to just be with one company on another aisle of the grocery store when I've got two dozen companies on this aisle of the grocery mm. store. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's when uh when I when we first started talking, I was telling Kevin about you because Kevin's from the CrossFit space, and so I I told him you know about Two Pood and stuff. He's like, oh yeah, fuck, I know I know who that is. I know that company. 
And so that's how he related to knowing who you were. Um, But yeah, it was going back to what I said. You've been extremely helpful for us, man. I mean, you, the people you've connected me with to be able to talk to, those are people we probably, I would have never known how, even know how to reach out to those people, (laughs) you know? So I don't believe in, I don't believe in doors, man. Like I believe in curtains. (laughs) Like, and when someone's like, man, I can't get the guy on the phone. It's like, what does that mean? What do you mean you can't get them? Like, what, what, do you, what do you what do you mean you can't get them? Like, yeah, where the what is it? I've been on calls with with groups of people, and we're like we were trying to get in touch with a winner of a giveaway. God damn it! We were trying <laughs> to get in touch with a giveaway, a winner of a giveaway, and like we couldn't. They're like, yeah, we can't find him. I was like, what is his phone number? Mm-hmm. What is his name? And I think I had him on the phone while on this conference call within like two minutes. Mm-hmm. So like. They're like, how did you do that? I was like, I sent him a fucking text. Yeah. <laughs> and then I sent him a message on his Instagram. Yeah. And then I called him. And imagine that. Like, you you, you, you created a fire around someone. Um, that'll get your attention. So which CrossFit gym did you go to? Uh, well, I, um, when I got out of the Army, I opened up a CrossFit Rally Point. I was a owner of that. And then did that for a few years. And then we did really well. And then I left because I wanted to – pursue college so i'm finishing up college now but yeah i went across the gym in boise okay yeah it's um it's a tough space man like uh it's an interesting space and like i was in that i was in the crossfit space for a decade i mean i started doing crossfit in 2009 yes and uh it's 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 it sucks to see where it is now compared to where it was like 2013, 2014. Yeah. That's the 15. time I started doing it. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was awesome. Like the games, you know, like I've been to the CrossFit games every, from between 2010 and every year to 2017. Hmm. One year we were a sponsor. Two Poot had a boot, and every year had a boot there for seven years. We we're an official sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but like, yeah. And my girlfriend at the time competed in the CrossFit Games for CrossFit Marysville. Oh wow! Four years, four years in a row. I've been there. That's a cool gym. Yeah, finished third one year. Uh, went into the final workout first. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. And then they just went to shit. And owning a CrossFit gym, like we have a gym here in Ormond Beach. You know, Melissa started in 2010 CrossFit uh, East Ormond Beach phenomenal community but like you know that's that's an example that's a great example i was talking about leadership earlier okay and there were times when greg glassman was a phenomenal leader uh when he started crossfit Mm -hmm. he led from the front and he was always you know putting out stuff and then for whatever reason he went off on his own and started like fighting big sugar that's not leadership right that's you that's a personal crusade yep um I'll not to get political. I'll tell you another example of, of absence of leadership. Um, when, uh, the COVID stuff happened. And I think, I personally think Donald Trump is a narcissist. I think all politicians are, I think you have to be, I think you have to be a narcissist to run for political office. Agreed. Or like a fucking serial killer that just hadn't killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like anyone listening, like I am, I'm literally talking about all politicians. Not there are no good politicians. Not the right, not the left. I'm talking about all of them. Um, and it's very, it's weird because I think the narcissist 
lack leadership because they can't, they're so obsessed with themselves, yeah. they can't worry, care for others. Yet these are the people that we elect to be our leaders. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, who's on first, man? Like, what's going on? But I, I think um, during the pandemic thing, I think that is when Trump's, and I, like, I personally thought he had some really good policy stuff. Um, I think he should have had his Twitter taken away from him for at least half the day. <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> and the media didn't help him, but he also kind of played right into their trap. Um, but I think that was one of his downfalls was lack of leadership. Like I remember the day that the unemployment numbers came out at like 14.4 million. And I remember seeing a tweet from him talking about his approval rating in the GOP party. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it was like, excuse me. Like gives a fuck about that. Yeah. Donald serving. No one gives and, a and, and listen, I was, I'm a, I'm a Trump guy. Like I'm a Trump fan. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, that, that, that's where my vote went was to mm -hmm. Trump, like, you know, both times. Um, so I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that like I'm trying to hide my political beliefs or shit talk or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, leadership is at times the most important thing that a person can have. And I, and I do, I think Evan Hafer is about as good a leader as anyone I've ever worked with. Yeah. Um, he's available. He's present. You know what he's doing. Um, you know, he does not belittle his employees. Like he, he fucks with those that are like in the, in the inner circle, you know, like, but like, you know, Evan cares about his employees. He wants everyone to be happy and he leads from the front. You know, Evan works. I mean, I, this is the God's honest truth. I don't think Evan really took a day off for like the first five years of black rifle. Mm. And to the point to, to a fault, because that's another thing, like, um, you know, uh, if you don't take time off and take a step back, you'll burn out. That's a real, I don't, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck how hard you are. I don't care who you are. Burnout is a real thing yep. at all levels. Um, and I, I think, you know, um, you know, that's another interesting thing about those guys. Like none of them had like a rich uncle or inherited money. Like every, like they started that company with like 1800 bucks and they, it literally, hard work they and they haven't fucked anybody over they didn't screw anybody um you know like they just literally just grind their asses off and that's how black rifle has accomplished everything that it has it's just hard and it's been inspiring to watch and it's really cool to be a part of yeah like, it's truly truly like I, I it really is um you meet a bunch of cool people and i'll tell you this one thing that i'm actually i was thinking about it i'm actually quite proud of this like I think when we started, I said that I wanted to help create the news. I never wanted to be the news. Mm -hmm. I've never taken a single photo with any person that I've ever met through that company. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was I was surprised on on the free range YouTube channel. Uh, Jared's doing that when I grow up series thing. Then I saw you yeah. pop up on the one where you guys were at the the bow shoot. <laughs> And I was like, "Whoa, I haven't seen him. You never yeah. see. You don't see you on anything." Uh, so I was surprised no, to see you I, pop uh, up. Yeah, I um, um, like I, I went to University of Georgia. I'm a huge, huge Georgia football fan. Like, I don't care about the NFL. Uh, I am a diehard Georgia Bulldog, mm. and Bill Goldberg was there. I saw a picture at, of that, and I was just like, "Holy shit, that's Goldberg!" Yeah, <laughs> and then. Uh, I'm a big BJJ UFC fan, yeah. and Hoyt Gracie was there. Yeah, 
And uh, I knew he was coming. I knew for weeks in advance that he was coming. I mean, and I've, I've, I've texted with him and talked to him on the phone and stuff. Um, and uh, I was like, damn, dude. Like, I remember being a freshman in college playing football and watching the first UFC mm-hmm. on VHS tape. Like, I, I can I, – I, I can literally draw you the original logo. Like I, I, UFC one, like there's a guy in the, like a, you know, perfect man's in the middle of yep. the ring. And it's yellow and it's, I, I, I can see it now. And it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. You're but, doing what you've done. You're able to meet, I guess your heroes, some of them, you know what I mean? Well, I, that's another thing you learn. Like, um, I, the, some of the people that I've met, doing the launch code podcast with Evan Hafer are some of the finest, you know, most badass soldiers this country's ever produced. Mm-hmm. And that's the, sh- those are the people that really get my attention. Like those are the people that I think are super badass and super cool. Not, you know, Gold Hoyce Gracie, no one can take away what he's done. Bill Goldberg played at Georgia, played in the NFL. Then was a wrestling suit. I don't give a shit about his time as a, as a professional wrestler, but yeah, like, um, Guys that really, like, what are the consequences to, you know, that's, that's kind of how I look at people. It's like, hey, what did you do? What did you accomplish? And what are the consequences if you failed? And I remember when Black Rifle, we posted the meme, like, Starbucks was like, we're going to hire 10,000 refugees. And we're yeah. like, well, we'll hire 10,000 vets. Mm-hmm. And that blew up. And apparently we were getting some information, like, coming in from back channels about some people, you know, up in the corporate upper echelons of, you know, big companies were not happy about that. And it's just like, Hey man, like the CEO of, um, Starbucks, um, Howard Schultz was his name. I think it's, it's like, Hey man, you're a fucking retailer. Mm-hmm. You sell coffee. Have you ever been in a position to where life and death was the result of split second decision-making? So until you've played in that realm, you just you're a retailer, dude. Like you sell coffee for a living. Yeah, you're a fucking fuck you're a, you're a child. Fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, get get out of here. Like, and I remember, um, I don't remember. It was a major news. It was, I think maybe MSNBC or ABC or CBS or something. That's uh, typical Evan Hafer. Um, he was a. Uh, it was Evan and Matt. They were in Salt Lake City. They were getting interviewed, and uh, she said, "So who's your competition?" And Evan goes, "We don't have any competition." She goes, surely you have competition. And Evan says, you show me a CEO that's carried a saw through the streets of Baghdad at 3 a.m. And I'll show you our competition. And like he didn't smile when he said it. He was dead serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you know Evan, you know that that was planned in his head. And he just went deadpan. Mm-hmm. Just sat there. And then it pans over to Matt. And like Matt, Matt is... Matt is Matt Best is truly the nicest, most caring person of the Black Rifle owners group, you know, and like Matt wants everybody to be happy and all that stuff and comfortable and you know, and you just you see him, it's just this awkward, nervous <laughs> smile. <He> just goes, <laughs> Uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, he goes, <laughs> uh, it was great. <laughs> so you know, I don't know how I got on that tangent. What got me on that tangent? Um, well no, I I I because I knew you were going with that because I had the same feelings not to sound like toxic, I guess, in the CrossFit environment, you know, because I had learned from being, you know, an NCO, you know, I was a sniper in the army, all this other shit and being a leader, like putting other people first and all. And if you don't know the answer to something, fucking find it out and get back with people. Right. 
So I got yeah. very, very, very knowledgeable in that environment. And I went to, you know, 10 CrossFit courses along the way as well, read every book I could to try to employ this into the gym. And then I'm competing with guys who played soccer in college and right into owning a gym. What the fuck do they know? And when you go right. to the gyms, there was no attention to detail. There's no fucking standards. It's just a party and dubstep music. It's like, cool. Right. I, so I, I felt like in my mind, I had no competition, but I had to compete with people who's function a different way. Maybe their brains are different, you know, but if it came right. to law enforcement, military, or people who actually took themselves seriously, then there's no other gym they were going to go to because they, right. that's the environment they loved, you know? And so I agree with what he's saying. There's no competition because it's, you can't compare the two things, you know? Right. I think that's why your, well, your gym blew up the way it did. Right. Because you had that environment that was very professional and, but it was, it was mostly vets, first responders. Right. And then my fat ass came in there, but. <laughs> well, one of the, what you have in the CrossFit space is like, so um, it's, what they, it's the concept behind it is like true, pure economics. Like yeah. the strong will survive and lesser gyms will go away. Well, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen overnight. And that takes a long time for that, for market, market equilibrium. Yeah. But uh, one thing is like, you know, as well as anyone, CrossFit gyms really can only fit in certain areas, like certain parts of town, you know, normally your, your warehousing areas and stuff like that. Yeah. But like what, what happened a lot was like, you'd have a guy, someone would open up a gym and it would be a fantastic gym. Like a, just a great gym that was great for everyone in the, in the, in the local community. And let's say that gym had 200 members, easy number to work with here. And so you get some young coach in there and he's like oh i want to i want my own gym this is great it's so much fun well they don't see how much work goes in on the backside. all they think is all right if i get 100 members and they pay me 150 dollars a month i'm going to make 15 grand a month and life's going to be awesome mm -hmm. so then you have you have one gym and you have one coach leaves and opens a gym and another coach leaves and opens a gym well so you go from having one super badass gym to one good gym and two substandard gyms yep but there, but there's only so many crossfitters in any given area. So what you're having is it would just, it would basically, to the detriment of the, there's two little parasites would leave and attach to the host organism, and then they're trying to steal members and all that shit. It just turns just into a shit situation. Yeah, so I do think the barrier to entry in CrossFit was super low. Mm -hmm. um, there really wasn't a vetting process. You just go take the L1 cert, and you know you get some money and your check clears, and you got you a gym. Yeah. Um, but then again, like, how do you decide, like, what's a good gym or who's qualified? Okay. This guy's been here for five years and he's got 125 members. Now he's married and he's got a kid and life's more complicated, you know? And that was one of the things was like Glassman pre preached, um, that, you know, oh, you open a CrossFit gym, you're going to have these many members. You're going to make so much money and life's going to be great. Well, there's so many gyms now that are still paycheck to paycheck that have been around. There's a couple that are like first hundred gyms that are just literally barely getting by. Yep. Um, but, and that was, I think the absent CrossFit was toxic, toxic as shit. Like CrossFit yeah. HQ. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say it. A lot of those people can go fuck themselves. Excuse mm. my French, but like, there's a lot of mean spiritedness there. There's a lot of underqualified people. They wouldn't allow someone that was actually qualified to come into the organization for fear of exposing them as being a dumb fuck. Yeah. So, you know, like they were like Justin Berg, whom I absolutely despise. I cannot stand Justin Berg. 
Um, he's one of the more qualified people there. I mean, to be honest with you, he came in with some, he did a bunch of like the publisher tennis stuff. Like he had some experience, but like everyone just knew that if they kissed Glassman's ass hard enough, they would retain their job. Now, what a lot of those people are finding is they've all been fired now and they can't make what they made there in the real world. And it's, it's, it's a shit show. It's a shit storm. But mm-hmm. Melissa, who is making some type of food in the kitchen right now, <laughs> has a f- fantastic gym. One of the best communities I've ever been a part of. And they were heavy, heavily involved in the competitive side in the early days, but they basically transitioned out of psycho-competitiveness just to working out, having a good time, and, you know, everyone having fun, you know, which is good. And a lot of gyms still try to maintain that competitive edge. Like, oh, man, we're doing these throwdowns. Yada, yada, yada. Right, like, yeah. That's not what's going to keep – that's not going to keep your bottom line up. And it's, you know, if you're trying to make sure your quarterlies are in time and everything like that, the competitions aren't going to help, you know. They're not going to – Not at all. Not in the least bit. Um but no, it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, when we get off this podcast, I'm going to go put on some underwear. Uh, I mean, I'm wearing shorts right now. Oh, so you naked, I was going to say, from the waist down? <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting here butt naked <laughs> in a leather chair, and my ass and testes stuck to the seat. But yeah. no, uh, I, when I'm, I work out in a CrossFit gym every day. Yeah. Um, I'm training for a powerlifting meet right now. I'm not doing actual uh, CrossFit, but like, um, yeah, it's a great community. Like I could never, I went to a, I went to a, a lifetime fitness in uh, San Antonio. Like, like when I was, when I was out there the other day, holy shit, man. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you, you hear that song, Matt Best wrote, put your fucking weights away. Mm-hmm. And like, if you listen to that song close enough and you go into a lifetime, be like, Oh my God, this song was written here. <laughs> like going in the squat rack. Well, that's, that's yeah. a thing like with CrossFit gyms jujitsu gyms those are the only gyms i've ever felt comfortable in i've never felt yeah i've never because I, I also didn't grow up lifting and stuff so i didn't know what i was doing so going into like a big box gym i'm like i'm fucking lost i went into kevin's gym when he had it and started doing crossfit and i felt so comfortable even though i still didn't know what the fuck i was doing but i felt comfortable and then i got into jujitsu a couple years ago same thing had no idea what i was doing but they made me feel so comfortable to where yeah. i was able to learn because i was comfortable I wasn't uncomfortable. Right. Like I got to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? So right. I, I think that that area of expertise, whether it's jujitsu or CrossFit, it, just the the way people do it well, is it's a little better. You're also finding people that are like minded. People that like humility. They like learning something new, and being put in a position where you're you're a student again. You're a child all over again. Mm. Versus people you find in a Lifetime Fitness or an Axiom or Gold's Gym. It's people that don't like being told what to do, and so they're all fucked up. Or guy man childs, right? You have the forty year old guy who's fucking covered in tats and on steroids and he thinks he's tough. Like, no, I'll choke your fucking ass out, bro. Legs that big around. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, exactly. Any yes. legs. Well yeah. and I, I actually wanted to go back to one thing you said earlier about like when I said you met you're meeting your heroes and you went, you know, back to saying the people you respect. I'm very similar in that aspect. And it's it's almost surreal to me doing this podcast because now I'm talking to some of these guys that I consider that I have a lot of respect for. Like Evan mm-hmm. was one of them. When I had him on, I was even blown away he even wanted to do this because that's a man that I've watched their company grow from mm-hmm. the outside. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of respect for what, what he's done and what that company's done. And some of these people you've contacted us with are people, like especially some of the local companies here. I grew up watching these companies grow from nothing 
And right. these people are people I respect. I don't know if I'd call them heroes, but I mean, they're people I respect. Now they're, I'm they're, getting the chance to sit down and have conversations yeah, with they're them. They're stand-up motherfuckers, and so you know when you talk to them, the, you can get yeah. have a, a good conversation, and it's not going to be something that's, you know, like you're pairing us with people you know we're going to fit with, right? Yeah. You're going to pair us with someone who's like, hey, I'm all about burning books and suppressing information because then I'm just going to fucking <laughs> yeah. choke them out on the podcast. Like, But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's cool to me just because doing this, we didn't, we didn't know what we were going to do. We were just like, let's sit down and talk with our friends. And then I started reaching out. That's the best thing I think about social media is you can connect with people you never have the chance to connect with. But I started reaching out to people and we started getting some people I never thought we would have had a chance to talk to. And then... Then you you showed up and really helped us out. So I just yeah. I want to let you know how much we appreciate you because we really yeah yeah do. you guys are talking to Glenn Everly yeah yeah uh, Wednesday we're supposed to be doing that yeah all right so and then you got uh, Butch Whiting from Cryptek on we got Monday Butch on Monday and then, um, yeah ask Butch remember this ask Butch about the the white tit <laughs> okay okay the mosque and then you need to um, Ask, make sure Glenn touches on because Glenn was an Olympic biathlete. Yeah, yeah. Um, his story is just phenomenal. But you need to ask Butch this: Say, Baker said that you are the best Apache pilot this country has ever produced. <laughs> is right. that true? Because here's the deal: every pilot that I know, and I know a lot of them, they will tell you. I don't know if they'll do it on a podcast, but like in their head, they think they're the best pilot of all time. <laughs> and that's what you want. Like if I'm in a plane or a helicopter, I want the guy flying it to be like, I'm yeah. the greatest. Right. On the planet. I'm the best pilot. <laughs> um, so anyway, I got to get to the gym guys. I do appreciate you having me on. We appreciate you coming on. Man. And like I said, uh, we appreciate everything you've, you've hooked us up with. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got some more, um, uh, people for you guys to chat with and shit like that. Perfect. So I'll send over some text. And we'll 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 keep in touch. Uh-